electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. Because my job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Nothing is more exciting than the catch-up trade, which is what drove today's terrific action. Dow surging 461 points, S&P gaining 1.2%, NASDAQ advancing 1.13%. In fact, the S&P is now up for 2020, including a 47.5% gain from the March lows. I'm repeating that, a 47.5% gain from the March lows. All oh, the airlines, aren't they amazing? They just won't quit. Same goes for the cruise lines, the hotels. How about uh, earnings? Uh, it, it needs earnings. It bother me later. The casinos are on fire. Who can resist now that they're open again? Oil's roaring. The price of crude up 75 from that bizarre bargain. <laughs> Take some waiting, will you? I mean, this is a V-shaped recovery like this. Then there's Boeing which is up more than 150% from its lows in March, including a 12% move today, making it the biggest winner in the Dow and its best month ever. Now, just can you imagine, you and me for a second, can you imagine if they actually got some, some orders? It all makes sense. Even after this run, all these recovery stocks are low. So they're off the highs. And that's, what, that's why it, it's easy to see why they're so irresistible, especially since we have absolutely no buy, earnings buy, buy, in our buy, faces buy, buy, here. Buy, 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 buy. And one could pen- any earnings could spoil the party, but there are none. That said, the recovery rally is exciting as it is. And I know it's exciting. I watch it. I see the guys on Twitter. I mean, there's some people having the time of their lives. And I love that. I love that, you know, the lampshade on their head thing. OK, but that's not what's responsible for the historic run in the tech heavy Nasdaq, which just hit a new all time high today. Yeah, all time high. It's very different from the airline stocks or the oils that are bouncing, the department stores or the cruise lines or a bankrupt rental car company. 
I bring up the phenomenal move in the NASDAQ because I think it's more representative of this market than the endless rebound in the hospitality and travel stocks in response to the reopening of America. So why don't we go through some of the biggest winners so you can understand why this is really, these are the stocks that have powered us higher. And first, nothing like it, Apple. It's up 13% for the year. What happened here? I hate to say I told you so, but in the middle of March, when analysts were once again fretting that Apple's best years were behind it, I told you to stick with the stock because of the bountiful service revenue stream. I said, repeat after me, own it, don't trade it. Once again, I was excoriated by the Mount Bounce, the knaves, the fools who love to hate Apple, even as they pretend affection. Posers! When people who are stuck at home with nothing to do, they go online, the Amazon, the Apple stores. According to Morgan Stanley's Katie Huberty, who has her finger on the pulse of this company like nobody else, Apple's service revenue has seen a dramatic spike. Plus, in an era where we're afraid to touch cash or hand over our credit cards or type on a potentially COVID-encrusted keyboard, keypad shedder, Apple's pace contactless technology has become a necessity, honestly. Don't you, I carry Pura with me, and then I start carrying my Apple Pay. Best of all, the work-from-home movement forced a lot of information technology departments to start supporting Apple's computers because that's why many people have at home. People have Apple at home. They like Apple. They're stuck with the other guy at, at work, right? Apple has a great phone, and the laptop is good for Zooming. But with a few notable exceptions, they've been locked out of the enterprise for years, and that's now over. Second... This is Softy. That's right, Microsoft, which also benefits from the rise of remote work, although not as much as Apple. Microsoft's Azure cloud business has been a standout in a period where the cloud is the only way for most people to operate. Everybody's moving to the cloud. They've had a remarkable run, thanks in part to management's flawless execution. CEO Satya Nadella talked about how the pandemic has given us multiple years of digitization in the span of a couple of months. No wonder Microsoft's a winner. Third place, shocker. Amazon. All right. Now, we're starting to hear about $3,000 price targets for this $2,500 stock. I find that plausible, if not totally conservative. Amazon Web Services is the number one cloud infrastructure player around. And while it's not growing like it used to on a percentage basis, uh, that's the law of large numbers. Even more important, Amazon's the undisputed king of the stay-at-home economy. And once you're hooked on Amazon, it's very hard to go back to the mall, even as the mall stores and REITs are rebounding from oblivion. It's part of the uh, trade I keep telling you about that's like the, I don't know, renaissance. After every storm, after every flood, after every blizzard, Amazon has picked up New Year's. I think the pandemic is probably the greatest single driver of traffic in history. Don't forget to leave your boxes out for 24 hours to prevent COVID-19 from getting into your house. That wives tale, I think, is actually something that I do. I don't know. Number four might surprise you. Facebook. Facebook. Now, how did that happen? That hated company, Facebook. Maybe it's not hated anymore. It's all about orientation. You see, Facebook's gone from a company pummeled by the media to a company that's beloved by small and medium-sized businesses, especially now that they're rolling out Facebook shops to facilitate e-commerce. I think the company has learned a lot, though they still don't know how to deflect like I think they should because CEO Mark Zuckerberg has to pay more attention to his business customers. That's what you focus on? If I were him, I'd use this moment to roll out a $100 million grant program for minority-owned businesses, which often operate in areas with suboptimal Internet access and have been hurt by the, uh, by the protests. It would be the right thing to do. Do it, Mark. It could be part of your legacy. $100 million, minority-owned businesses. Five, 
Abwin, Alphabet. The parent of Google did report a better than expected quarter. But other than that, the only things that I can point to are maybe the continued success of YouTube and a reinvigorated cloud division under the leadership of Thomas Curian, who's vowed to catch up to Amazon and Microsoft and won some very big contracts. That guy's a real smart fella. Don't forget, though, Alphabet's got an enormous total addressable market. Six. Oh, yeah. Also, kids are at home doing schoolwork. And while it used to be forbidden to use uh, Google, but now what are they going to do? I mean, you're at home. They can't tell. Six. Tomorrow, one of the world's most uh, famous investors, Ron Barron, is going to be on Squawk. And he's been crowing about Tesla for ages. He might take this $950 stock to $1,000 all by himself. Tesla's got a new plant in Shanghai with another one coming to Germany. And they'll produce as many cars as they can because they can sell every car they produce. Periodically, you hear some worrisome stories about discounting for falling demand. I don't believe them. I'm with Barron on Tesla, presuming he hasn't changed his mind, which I think is highly unlikely. Now, one of my Twitter followers, whom I all love, every one of you, uh, some of you are unhappy. I know that. Uh, I, they think I waited so long, too long, to start pounding the table. I did. I waited 700 points ago. Yeah, you only made 700 points. Sorry. Jimmy Chill, Jimmy Chill says, I love you. Malice toward all, malice toward none, Lincoln. Seventh, you want to know what a blowout quarter looks like? I want you to check out the last one from NVIDIA, the chip company. This was the earnings report you would have expected them to deliver maybe in six months. Every line item was up except chips for self-driving cars, which are only doing okay. The strength here, well, it's all about speed. CEO Jensen Wong has come up with a new chip architecture that's putting the competition to shame. It's like, you know, it's like horse, horse and buggy, man. All right, anyway, speed, artificial intelligence, inferencing, it's all there, including my dog, who answers to NVIDIA if, of course, you have a piece of steak in your hand. Number eight, PayPal has taken 2020 by storm as the most convenient way to pay for things. Whether it be with Honey, the way millennials save on shopping, or Venmo, their peer-to-peer payment app where you can use emojis, or just vanilla PayPal, there's no way to stop this worldwide juggernaut. It's the same as the Apple Pay story. PayPal wins in a world where cash and credit cards are too risky to use. Ninth is a bit of a mystery. Intel. I think Intel's got on this list because its stock was cheap and the company has been selling a lot of chips to big Chinese companies worried about being locked out of the American market. Plus, I'm betting Intel benefits from the flood of new money that's coming into the market, uh, which is a polite way of saying it's nothing special. Brutal judgment. But I haven't seen good numbers here. Finally, number 10 in the Nasdaq is Cisco. I have to admit, I didn't see the big upside surprise coming. The quarter was supercharged by WebEx, Cisco's enterprise-oriented alternative to Zoom. Didn't hurt that they got unbelievable execution from Chuck Robbins. Chuck did a great job. All right, so what do we learn from all these stocks leading the NASDAQ higher? I think they tell us that old dogs can pivot to new tricks. Granted, they're not giving you huge gains right now like the down-and-out recovery stocks. Think the bankrupt hurts surging from 257 to 553 in a single session. Even as the balance sheet remains horrendous and the bonds are signaling the common could be worthless. It's not nickel exploding higher like I said it could do last week, even as I did tell you ultimately selling the strength. It's not the cyclical roaring in response to stunning unemployment numbers that show America open for business. It's not any of the airlines or cruise lines or oil companies which get gunned daily. The bottom line. The strength in the Nasdaq's real simple. It's all about Fa'ang, the power of Fa'ang and friends, which, as I've been telling you, would be some of the most consistent winners since the market bottomed in March. These high-quality tech stocks are great long-term investments, whereas I think the recovery stocks, everything from Carnival to United to Macy's to Norwegian and Delta, are more like trades that genius millennials, Gen Xers, Zoomers, and even, of course, degenerate gamblers have mastered. Mitch in New York, Mitch. 
Thank you for taking my call. Of With course. MetLife up approximately 18% from their last earnings, closing today at $43 with a dividend yield of 4.3%, and it's 52-week high of $53.28. Would you recommend purchasing additional shares of the company? Yeah, I think MetLife's okay. I'm not going to rave about it. Not bad, not great. I think it's an okay company. Four uh, percent yield. I don't know. Not bad, not great. I can't. I can't rave. Not with. Not in this market. Let's. I mean, I prefer Morgan Stanley at fifty. Let's go to Valentin in Valentin in California. Valentin. Uh, my eleven-year-old grandson Valentin loves to invest and has a question. Sure, eleven-year-old, fantastic. <laughs> Booyah, Jim. I'm 11 years old, and I've been investing every month for the last year. Someone is here for us kids with the corona still present. I just thought that I'm thinking of extending my positioning because I believe it has a lot of room to grow with, with products coming out. What do you think of Activision? Of Activision? Yeah. Um, no. I want you to be in take two. I think take two's got more upside because it didn't have that good a quarter last time. And Grant, that thought is great. It's got this new NFL product and it's got NBA 2K. So why don't we do that? 11 years old. It's okay. Pivot and go for take two. I don't have to just agree, uh, but I love 11 year olds. I mean, that's some of my biggest fan base because you should see at all those 11 year olds. And now they're in their 20s and they're on Robin Hood and they're whamma jamma trading the will, the will whiting petroleum and in a hertz and in everything. The Royal Caribbean, whatever. All right. Listen, guys, even though I love Royal Caribbean and, and by the way, Mr. Del Rio knows that. And I was going to take a Del Rio cruise. Didn't happen because of COVID. It's all about the power of banging friends. These high-quality names are up huge from the March lows and are solid long-term investors. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, it's the summer of the RV. Even Trump says he's thinking about traveling from D.C. to New York and what? You mean he's going to Airstream? What do you think? All right, so how is the company uh, like Thor Industries performing as demand increases? Great quarter this morning, so we're going to talk to the CEO. And I'm getting the full employment picture and finding out what could be next in tonight's Off the Charts. And could Sorrento Therapeutics COVID-19 cocktail drive the stock higher? I've got the exclusive. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This morning, one of my favorite companies, Thor Industries, the largest maker of RVs and motorhomes, reported a truly spectacular quarter. The company delivered a modest revenue beat coupled with a huge earnings beat. Wall Street expected them to lose 25 cents. They made 43 cents a share. Even better, management gave us some incredibly positive commentary. Business has gotten much better since April, and they're seeing a huge influx of first-time buyers. And that's how Thor rallied 11% today, even as it had already run from $32 at the bottom to $100 on Friday. So could this red-hot stock have more room to run? Let's take a closer look with Bob Martin, the president and CEO of Thor Industries, to get a better read on the quarter and where his business is headed. Mr. Martin, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thank you so much for having me. Always great to be back. All right, so, Bob, I'm in the so-called at-risk group, as all of all my friends. We all graduated at the same time from high school, college, and we don't want to stay in hotels. You know how our friends are getting back and going places? How do you think? RVs. Isn't it unbelievable? And that's what happened, I think, in the, begin- in the middle of March. All my friends realized no more planes, no more hotels. This is your time. You know, Jim, it's a, it's a common theme that we've been hearing from our dealers, from customers, uh, friends of mine, the, the same way, uh, that maybe never considered the lifestyle, but they needed a place to get from point A to point B. And an RV truly is the safest way to do it with your own bed, your own bathroom, your own kitchen. Uh, they're easy to drive, and you really only have to stop to get gas. It is incredible. And I guess the same thing now. I haven't even talked to you since Europe. It's got to be the same thing there. Yeah, yeah very similar. Uh, they're just about a month ahead of us. But uh, the Erwinheimer Group, uh, we uh, brought them into the fold last year. And for them, the Germany's the, the strongest market. And it's still very, very popular uh, caravanning, and people were literally calling, waiting for the dealerships to reopen so that they could get their, their units in uh, Europe. So very similar to the U.S. Now, one, one point when things had gotten a little tough, you had like a quadruple whammy. You had uh, labor costs in Indiana skyrocketed. You had raw material skyrocketed. You had gasoline go up. And you had people saying, well, I don't know whether I need, you know, this thing's gotten a little expensive. It looks like everything's going your way now, Bob, isn't it? You know, right now, it's just the, the lifestyle is something we've been pushing, and you do. You, you have affordable gas. You've got uh, people that uh, may not want to cruise for a while. They may not want to fly for a while. Uh, and they look at this lifestyle as a way to self-isolate, way to spend time with your family. And, you know, a lot of people, we can't leave the country. I, I can't leave the country right now. 
And it's a, a way for us to really just enjoy the United States. And in Europe, it's the same thing. They're enjoying more of their homeland. And we seem to, to fit the need right now. And my uh, when at that point, 24 uh, year old daughter reminded me, Dad, it is the least expensive way to see America. It is. I, I remember your daughter. I still I'm waiting for her to buy an Airstream. But uh, <laughs> you know, she wants she is going to she wants to remake it to be able to make a kitchen, a mobile kitchen to be able to sell product like cupcakes. Are people doing yeah. this? She claims to me people are doing these things. Yeah. If you, if you look at, uh, you know, there are several websites out there, you know, RV Fixer Upper, uh, the Flipping Nomad, that they're buying RVs that are older and they're refurbishing them, not not just right. Airstreams, uh, but that is another fad, you know, van life. So there are people that are buying older ones that are redoing them. And then people that just don't have time, they're buying a new unit and they're going out and they're, they're using it as a workplace. It's a, a new thing that's happening that people that don't want to stay in hotels but still have to travel they might buy a little unit like this that is very comfortable, has a good workspace, and their companies are encouraging it. Now, how about that labor situation? You have 1% unemployed what you're making before. I mean, look, we never want to see uh, anybody lose their job, but you have, you're right. okay now to try to get workers, right? Yeah, right now it's, it's coming out of, you know, this, this pandemic was, a, was a, a hard stop, and so a lot of people were out of work, but our labor force – um, we're, I was there the first day when we opened up the factories at Keystone and 99.5% of the workers came back. So we were really encouraged That's to cool. see that. But as we see this growing, we're, we're still, many of our factories are still looking, still trying to hire more. And I like this, uh, the new tagline, go everywhere, stay anywhere. That's another one, my friends, when they look at where they're going to go in the country, they isolate the campgrounds of where they can go, of which they're now everywhere. We still need yeah. those four-star campgrounds that you talk about. And there are. There, there are some of the four-star campgrounds throughout Florida, throughout Michigan. Uh, but there are also trends of people boondocking. They're just camping you know, off-grid in, in small units that uh, they, they may not even use their air conditioner. It's, it's a lot of what we've learned in Europe. A lot of people camp that way uh, within a city, uh, You know, some of the smaller villages in Europe. But they don't use an air conditioner or a generator. They're using it a little bit more simplistically. And that's where we're using a lot of that knowledge and technology here in the U.S. to build products that are much more similar to a European product, such as the cabinets in this are made in Italy. And it just you walk in, it doesn't look like a 1970s RV. This now, looks like uh, a contemporary New York. Well, it but, also looks like you, uh, and I know in Europe you have to do that, more sustainable. Yes. I mean, that's as part of it. We had launched our ESG program. Uh, you know, at our investor day last October. And we have many initiatives that uh, we're very conscious of everything that we're doing. And we're, we're, we want to you know, have a smaller footprint on the, uh, the overall, you know, the, the world. And an RV uh, historically is just that. We use less water. We use less electricity uh, when people need to go camp just because of the, the electric system itself. So, but it's very important to us. When it got down, but what were you thinking when it got down to the 30s? I mean, it was just so much a crazy time. You, you never lost faith, though, did you? No. As we, we talk to uh, our investors, and we have a lot of long-term holders, and we would liken it to 2008, 2009. Um, we can really lever up and lever down our company, and the, the highly variable business model is true, and it's proven out. And it happened in 08. 
So we knew that if we just pulled back very hard, um, we could, you know, come through this an extended period. And so to have a quarter that um, we were shut down essentially four to six weeks and we were still profitable, uh, that showed people that our business model that uh, Peter Orthwine has been very proud of for many years, uh, it works. And it's something that we, we stay true to. Well, I want to congratulate you. Uh, you have the best product. You always had the right game plan. And now is your time. Bob Martin, President CEO of Thor Industries. Great to see you again, sir. Thank you, Jim. Okay, look, this is one. When it gets right, it doesn't just get right for this amount. It gets right for a lot more. Mad Money's back after the break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Whenever the market gets emotional like this one, I like to take a step back and consult with the charts for a more quantitative more empirical, unemotional reality check. Right now, Wall Street's euphoric in the wake of Friday's spectacular employment report. We were supposed to lose millions of jobs last month. Instead, we added 2.5 million jobs. The economy sure seems like it's reopening much faster than most of, of uh, uh, even the bulls expected. The Nasdaq's making new highs. The S&P 500 back to where it was trading in December, only a few months before the pandemic got rolling. This is truly amazing. But if you're inclined to be skeptical, maybe all this feels almost too good to be true. Believe me, I get it. The market's had a huge run. Every single stock in the S&P 500 is up over the last 10 weeks. That's extraordinary. So we must ask, can it really keep going? If you want an honest answer to that question, we need to take our emotions out of the equation. That's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Larry Williams. He's the legendary technician who's been trading futures, commodities, and stocks since I was a little boy. Williams has written more than a dozen books. He's got his own website, IReallyTrade.com. That's IReallyTrade.com. He's created a slew of technical indicators, many of which are named after him. Most importantly, the last time we checked in with him near the end of, of April uh, what a call. He knocked it out of the park. At the time, COVID-19 was raging, killing thousands of people a day in this country. While the averages have been rallying off their lows for a month, the future's still really bleak. But Williams made one of the boldest contrarian calls I've ever seen. Based on his analysis, he predicted we'd have the coronavirus basically under control by mid-May and the economy would be able to reopen. I was skeptical. Williams nailed it. Both Wall Street and Main Street seem to agree that the virus has been contained, though health experts warn it could still flare up again. Yes, still, as far as the stock market is concerned, we've got COVID on the ropes. The economy reopened as planned, maybe even faster, and all the down-and-out stocks that got wrecked during the shutdown have come roaring back. You can quibble over the details, but if you trade it as though Williams was right, you can make, well, let's just say, you would have made a fortune. I can't argue with that. With that in mind, what happens next? What does Williams think? 
particularly about unemployment. Okay, first, take a look at this chart showing the four-week moving average for initial jobless claims. This is going all the way back to the 1960s. Every time these numbers spike, you're looking at a recession. Williams points out that near the end of a recession, these initial job claims start dropping precipitously. Let's go to the next chart. Uh, now, let's look, zoom in. This is a zooming in on the four-week moving average for initial jobless claims over the past year. As you can see, we've just had a truly dramatic drop with six consecutive weeks of lower initial unemployment claims. Maybe that should have been a giveaway about last Friday's incredible labor report. So Williams decided to look at history. What happened in the past when we've had six consecutive weeks where the four-week moving average of initial jobless claims went lower? All right. First, okay, it happened in the 1970s. Yes, the 1970 recession. We hit six consecutive down weeks that June. So what did it mean for the market? Next, look at this. Check out the chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average in 1970. By the time we reached the sixth week, the market had barely begun to rally. This was before my time. I was 15 years old, but Williams remembers the period well. He says the first half of 1970 was an absolute killer. Nobody knew for sure when it was over, though, with the benefit of hindsight. By the time we crossed that six weeks of lower initial jobless claims, well, the bear market was over and stocks came roaring back. Next! All right, we had two recessions in the early 80s, thanks to Paul Volcker, he was Fed chief, who destroyed the economy in order to not save it, but to stop inflation in 1980 and again in 1982. So now let's take a look. You know, this is the, this is what he did. Look at this. Take a gander at the action in the Dow during the early 80s. We hit six consecutive low, low, lower closes for initial jobless claims in July of 1980. All right. So you see this. But more importantly, I said this was the big one. This is when I started in business uh, on Wall Street, September of 1982. Williams points out that this is clearly a bullish development. 1980 came later in the stock market's recovery, but the Dow still rallied more than 10 percent from there to peak. But in 1982, (laughs) right, this is where I get started right here. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, huh? It was fabulously positive. While wheat already had a monster move higher, the Dow was just getting started. This was still early in what became one of the greatest bull markets of all time. Woo. Okay, next. How about more recent history? Specifically the post.com, post-9-11 uh, uh, recession and the financial crisis. All right, look at this. Got a good look at it? All right. Uh, here's the action. In the Dow from 2001 through 2012. All right. We're all probably familiar with this period. Coming out of the dot-com implosion, we saw initial jobless claims decline for six weeks in a row as of June of 2002. Coming out of the financial crisis, we got the same thing in May of 2009. In 2002, the big decline in jobless claims actually happened not long before the Dow bottom. That was still a pretty good time to buy. As for 2009, the four-week moving average of, of jobless claims hit Williams down six weeks uh, down the six-week threshold, okay, in May, roughly two months after the generational bottom in early March. And that was it. That was it. Generational bottom. Wow. Really amazing. All right, putting all together, Williams believes that the recession, which officially started in February, as we found out today, is now over. And that's why the signal is meant in, in, in every single showdown, slowdown since 1970, which makes it a powerful indicator that America is getting back to work. So what can I say? You're looking at what can happen again. 
And that's what people are not understanding. It has to do with the jobless claims. I think there's a very good chance he's right. Although this particular government mandate is slowed down as a weird one that may not be as analogous in the past. For one thing, we've already repealed the vast bulk of the losses from February and March. For another, 13 percent unemployment is still bad. And these nationwide police reform protests are still going strong, though in the last few days, both the protesters and the police seem to have gotten a little more chill. By the way, when you look at the demographic breakdown and the job numbers, white unemployment around 12 percent, African-American unemployment closer to 17 percent. As the kids like to say, that's problematic. But none of these negatives have prevented the stock market from soaring. My biggest fear as an investor is what happens if COVID-19 flares up again. Because if some states have to go back into lockdown in a couple of months, well, I worry that could stop this rally in its tracks, although I hope that they never do that kind of lockdown again. Even though it did well, they closed so many businesses because they said they were non-essential. Maybe they never open again. But the bottom line here, at least for the moment, the charts is interpreted by Larry Williams who is the dean of technical analysis, suggests that the recession is over, the economy's making a comeback, and if there's any guide, stocks could have even more upside. As much as I hate the chase, keep in mind that Williams has nailed this rally every step of the way. And yes, the cruise ships, I know, the airlines, the travel plays, the casinos. You can't keep them down. Not to mention Tesla. Mark in New York, Mark. Hey, big Long Island booyah to you, Jim. Done your way Thanks this weekend, booyah. Well, I've been uh, making monthly contributions and reinvesting all dividends in Verizon stock. Jim, I've been doing it for 20 years. It's got a reliable dividend. It's certainly a safe play. I did it for college savings, but the growth's been pretty weak. I want to know if my patience is going to pay off with a bump from 5G, or should I keep expecting a 4.5% dividend and 0 to 1% growth going forward? Okay, uh, my Chapel Trust owns it. I'm going to talk about it at a Thursday club call uh, at 1130. And what I'm going to say is the latter, which is that I want some income. I don't not to, you're not going to shoot the lights out with that stock, but boy, do I love income in an era where income's hard to come by. This is not Royal Caribbean. It's not going to be up seven points in one day, okay? But it does give you a reliable return, and that's why I think Verizon's a good one. Let's go to Robert in New York, please. Robert. Yo, yo, Jimmy Chill. How are you? The Chill Man is back with the tomato pictures and the zucchinis. What's going on? <laughs> Jim, quick shout out to my wife, Miles, for my, my partner in crime. Of course. My question, Jim, I bought Avis Budget about two, weeks, two, two and a half weeks ago, and the stock is soaring. Yes. Okay, it, it's going up, up, up. So do I sell or do I hold on to this? Okay, I think you know, I'm watching the stock of Hertz, by the way, where the bonds are trading so low that I can't believe the stock's at five. But they've been running it and gunning it. But I think that uh, that really leaves Avis in the sweet spot. I think you've got more. I would actually let Avis run. I know no one wants to hear this, but the Hertz bonds are signaling that that common stock was worth closer to what uh, Carl Ockheim did when he sold it all the way down under one. But who am I to spoil the party, right? The party is on. I just like to leave it early. You never want to be the last at a party because you're a loser. My goodness, the charts suggest stocks have more upside. I hate the chase, but I also hate to disagree with Larry Williams. So I want to stay long, and my trust is staying long. Much more mad money ahead. Including my exclusive with Sorrento. Is the stock worth considering as its COVID-19 antidote is the potential to gain ground? Are there more things to like about it? Then fast traders are going after the airlines and the cruise ships. I'm trying to make sense of why and how, and I don't want you to get hurt. 
I want you to make money. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. There are tons of tiny biotech companies working on ways to fight against COVID-19. So many, it's actually hard to tell which ones are the real deal. That's why I always try to shine a light on these smoking hot speculative plays, especially the ones that seem legitimate and maybe could cure the darn thing. Which brings me to Sorrento Therapeutics. It's a company that uses antibody-based technology to come up with treatments for cancer, for intractable pain, autoimmune conditions, and now COVID-19. Specifically, the company has two different antibody therapies that have shown the ability to completely inhibit COVID infection in a laboratory setting, meaning they could work both as a treatment and as a prophylactic, assuming these drugs work in actual humans rather than test tubes. When the first announcement came in mid-bay, the stock zoomed up from $2 and changed to nearly 7 Then we got more news on their second compound on Friday, which is why the stock surged nearly 15% today. Though even after this month, it's still down substantially from its late May highs, thanks to the rotation out of pandemic stocks into the recovery stocks. Still, I want to know if these guys are on the right track, which is why we're checking in with Dr. Henry G. He's the Ph.D., co-founder, chairman, president, and CEO of Sorrento Therapeutics. Learn more about his company, the profits they're making against COVID-19. Dr. G, welcome to Mad Money. Oh, yeah, Jim. Uh, thank you very much. You invited me from San Diego. Oh, thank you so much, sir. It's great to see you. So tell us where you are with the progress. I know you've made a couple of announcements. And if these things pan out, they could be uh, in the arsenal of what we can use yeah. against this disease. Yes. From the beginning of the years, we uh, tried to uh, uh, search or design a very potent antidote against uh, COVID-19. So there is a many approach to it, and uh, one of them is a neutralizing antibody. We have uh, one of most powerful ST1499 antibody from our human antibody library, which is one out of the billion. And we screen, we test it in the uh, healthy monkey cells, and that pre- prevents the viral infection completely. And we designed from the early of this year a decoy protein using human receptor for the uh, virus, which is uh, the ACE2 receptor. So that receptor itself become a decoy when you are uh, separate from the cells on a cell. And we uh, mainly design it and synthesize in the lab. And that decoy demonstrate also complete the uh, prevention of viral infection in an in vitro uh, setting which make us very, very excited because now we have uh, uh, multiple potential antidote against this COVID-19. Okay, so uh, doctor, where are we in terms of human trials? Yes, we are about two to three months away. We are right now putting all things together, including the manufacturing, chemistry, manufacturing, and the controls together. So uh, uh, to uh, supply for the uh, document to the FDA, and hopefully we get the FDA consent and we can get the human trial started. Have you done any uh, papers that we can read about it so that we know more? Uh, uh, maybe some uh, where you have clinicians talking about what it can do? Yes, we actually uh, write up a multiple uh, white paper, submit to the uh, government agency. Meanwhile, we are preparing the manuscripts with our academic collaborators. We'll try to uh, publish the data as soon as possible. 
Okay, so if you're a couple of months away, tell me the process. I mean, is it the FDA gives you the signal that you, I mean, are, are we waiting on the FDA to be able to start uh, human trials? Yes, we're actually not waiting for FDA. We actually prepared the uh, documentations, the manufacturing uh, uh, materials, and we already got some of the uh, guidance from uh, FDA, knows exactly how to uh, get into uh, the human trials. So right now we are preparing the CGMP manufacturing uh, materials to afford treating the patient or testing in human. Okay, so I know um, it's very expensive to do these trials. And I do know that back in March, there were some concerns about how much money you were able to, to raise to be able to do these. Have you been successful in doing so? So there won't be a situation where Sorrento kind of runs out of money while they're doing the big tests. No, Jim, you know, uh, we have been in business for 11 years. Since the uh, inception, uh, 2009, we have raised over and through the uh, uh, equity market, through the collaboration with uh, uh, partners, we have raised over a billion dollars. We know how to uh, get the funding for our programs, and we have uh, many ways to do so, and we are exploring different ways with uh, potential partnerships and the potential uh, uh, you know, government fundings with a partner, with a government. So there is a lot of ways to uh, uh, fund the operation and the make sure we get the things crushed the finish line. Excellent. Now, I would be remiss if I did not ask you, I'm going to mispronounce, toxin for those of us who are getting older, uh, a novel analgesic where we can dial back the osteoarthritis pain. This is the, this is a, would be a miracle, sir. Is there any yes. way, I mean, I see you've got the trial going. How do we yes. know it's going? This would be the thing that we all hope for. Yes, that's actually the miracle drug, which is published by Scientific America Journal. If you search it, if you, you want it, I can send you the article. It's named as a potential miracle drugs called resinoferrotoxin or RTX, as we see in it. We went through the trials with about uh, over 100 people in two settings. One is osteoarthritis pain and one is end-stage cancer pain, intractive cancer pain. And this is, uh, have to be emphasized, this is not opium pain management and uh, potentially even reduce the uh, dependency on the opium consumption. That's a very huge deal. And we are right now exploring this uh, drug's possibility for COVID-19. Reason for that, we have animal data shows it's very active against uh, called acute uh, respiratory uh, distress syndrome or ARDS. And we have- right. Beautiful animal data right now. We uh, try to get into human very quickly. Well, I sure wish you best of luck. Uh, family members have been uh, hurt by both of those. So it would be great to see. Uh, and I w- look, I wish you tremendous success in this. It's really important. Okay, doctor? Thank you very much, Jim. Okay. I'll watch your program uh, many often. All right. Thank you, sir. That's Dr. Henry G., chairman, president, and CEO of Sorrento Therapeutics. And what I like is they've got more than one shot on goal. Okay? Their money's back here to the break. Tonight at 7 p.m., taking a risk. Meet one man who volunteered to get injected in a vaccine trial. Plus, taking mass transit now that New York City is open again. And is it safe to go swimming at your local pool? All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner.
It is time! It's time to play for the best of course, and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Cover the lightning round. Let's start with Andrew in Florida. Andrew. Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. I would like to first give a shout-out to my friends and family watching. All right. Now, Jim, I know you had Ping Identity CEO on the show a few weeks ago. I like So them. my question... So my... I say... Bye, 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 bye. Right, Let's go to David in New York. David. Jimmy, dude. No. Yeah. Uh, back a few months ago, I bought BioWave after you had them on the show. BioWave and Migraine. Remember, I'm the spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation, and I say yes. Ah. I think they actually probably get a bid. That's how good that Nurtec is. Let's go to Andrew in Georgia. Andrew. L-I-T-E, my brother. Well, my brother, I like momentum. I like the optical section. I think you've got a winner. It's a little speculative. Let's go to Sharon in New York. Sharon. Hi, Jim. Sharon here. It's I thought a so. thrill talking to you. Um, I'm curious. My question is, how do you feel about Zynga? I've missed Zynga. I've missed Zynga. Zynga's had a run because I'm so focused on Take-Two Interactive, which I still am. T-T-W-O. I think it's winner. Let's go to Doug in Kansas. Doug. Jim, you're my hero. Really? Holy cow. Yeah. Talk to my wife, will you? you from... Calling you from the college football home of Darren Sproles. Uh, number 43. Yeah. I love him. What's up? Yeah. Uh, FHN. FHN is way too low. I don't get this. The big banks are moving. Ah. Oh, that's, but Mr. Jordan ought to come on and talk about that. Let's go to Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin. Hey, Booyah, Jimmy. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, can you help me out with HSBC? Yeah, it's probably okay, but so is it at this point. Back on Santander, it's that nutty out there. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. And David, you and I are going to cross the country uh, to take a cruise ship to Alaska, okay? All right, I'm in. I'm going to do it. I'm ready. We're going to go camping. <laughs> you guys, you guys are... Anywhere. Are I will go anywhere. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a buy order there telling me I don't have to beware. And that's how I feel when I see these fast traders gunning up the airlines and cruise ships every single morning, well before the market opens. And then every night, well, after it closes, you can see it down here on the crawl. Watch it. You can see it. You see American Airlines, Southwest, United, Continental, Delta, JetBlue. Then Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Norwegian on the cruise side. You might see it in Hertz and Whiting and Macy's. The buying is relentless and it defies the conventional wisdom of how stocks are supposed to trade or meant to trade. Now, it's almost like the old schemes I remember from the 1980s when I watched stocks get bagged and gunned and then liquidated. They called it BGL back then. I used to rail against it, fight it, but nobody listened to me. The big difference this time, there's no liquidation. These red-hot recovery stocks just keep soaring. It's the most bullish behavior I've ever seen. And I, I was trading during the dot-com era. If you're in these, you must think stocks never go down. 
When did this start happening? Well, it's around the time when we learned that Warren Buffett had blown out of his airline holdings on May 3rd. We didn't know what price he got on each, but at the time, American was 11, Southwest 29, Delta 24, United 26. That pretty much did mark the bottom, the exact bottom. At that same time, we saw the analysts putting out some grim price targets. For example, Evercore took American Airlines stock from $10 to $1 right around the time Buffett sold. Stock was at 12 then, now it's at 20 it's odd that the airlines didn't bottom until early May, given that Congress passed the $2 trillion stimulus package in late March, and it gave $12 billion to the airlines. American, for example, got $5.8 billion, split among $4.1 billion in grants and $1.7 billion in loans. Plus, the Treasury acquired warrants to purchase 13.7 million shares at twelve fifty one. Nice trade, Secretary Mnuchin. I think people were hesitant to own the airlines until the economy reopened. I know I was hesitant to recommend something because I was hesitant to fly. Now, though, we're seeing some incredible runs here. American rallied 41% last Thursday for attacking an additional 11% on Friday, another 9% today. I mean, that is just extraordinary. Extraordinary. Americans waste no time. They're planning some big voluntary severance packages to cut costs, given that they only plan to fly 55% of the domestic schedule in July, 20% of the lucrative international schedule. The whole industry got bailed out, but because of the recent bagging and gunning, the stocks feel somewhat inflated here. That said, I'm sure they'll be right back at it tomorrow in the early morning when they always seem to get started. Watch Brian Sullivan's show in the morning. You'll see it. How about the cruise lines? Same deal right out of the box. Again, you've got some major moves off the bottom after Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian were able to raise billions of dollars in the debt and equity markets. Carnival bottomed under eight bucks. It's now almost 25. A nice trade. Royal Caribbean's gone from 19 to 75. Norwegian's Paul Board from 7 to nearly 27. You know I love that last one. Is it all too optimistic? This morning, Arnold Donald, the CEO of Carnival, told The Telegraph that, quote, the fall from COVID-19 has been devastating for travel and tourism broadly and obviously for the cruise industry. We have no revenue but large ongoing expenses because of the assets that need to be nurtured, end quote. On the other hand, we know the business will stay afloat because they raised all that debt in the bond markets. And we know they'll recover once they get to sale again. So maybe they never should have been as low as they were. But, but to buy them up here, I don't know, tough to say. Now, there are plenty of stocks being run in the morning. Boeing, a bunch of oils, including Apache and Whiting, even Chesapeake which is really nuts. But the most glaring are the airlines and the cruise lines because their estimates, earnings estimates are so darn low. I don't know, maybe it hurts because it's probably, you know, maybe it's worth nothing. Wall Street analysts fought nearly all these rallies tooth and nail. They were too sophisticated. Many called these rallies fanciful. Oh, they had their nose up in the air. They were looking down at them. Hoy polloi or buying them. Obviously, these voracious pre- and post-market buyers disagree, as do the legions of younger investors on Robinhood who can't get enough of these things. But nobody's ringing the register, which is why their stocks seem to gap up every day. But when I look at Delta and American and United and Southwest and JetBlue and Carnival and Royal Caribbean and Norwegian doing much greater than the average daily volume on a day like today, something feels off to me. I don't know what it is, but it's happening and it seemingly can't be stopped, but things eventually do stop. They don't grow to the sky. These stocks are being bagged and gunned like I've never seen before. I think it's irresponsible not to take something off the table now because you don't want to be fully exposed when they eventually get liquidated. But I have no doubt the buyers will be back again tomorrow. When you have a hot hand, you press until, of course, you get scalded if you don't pull away. There's a man with a buy order over there. He's telling you, don't beware. Stick with Kramer. Let me ask you something. Carl Icahn, one of the greatest investors of all time, he had uh, 55 million shares of Hertz. He sold it at 72 cents. You're paying five bucks? Figure that out. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I'm sorry to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.